Well, we're going to pray for Canada. We do this every service. We start by praying for leaders. And so let's do that together right now. Father, I thank you for our nation. I thank you our nation was designed to be free. I thank you that freedom comes from you, not a government. And so we declare over every leader in this nation that, Father, they would follow in the principles of God's word of freedom, of justice. That, Father, they would share truth, the whole truth. We pray for leaders in business, leaders in healthcare, education. We pray for leaders, Father, arts, entertainment, leaders in your church. And we declare they're going to be people after you your own heart, with a servant's heart. Father, we thank you right now that we're not interested in a reset, we're interested in an awakening. And so, Father, we declare that over our country and over this planet in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Today I'm going to talk about go greater. Go greater. There's a difference when you watch sports between people who play the game and the people you depend upon when it's crunch time. I remember quarterbacking football when I was in school. And when we got down to the last few seconds of a game, and we needed the points to win, I never chose just one of the halfbacks or one of the runners. I knew exactly who could take this ball into that end zone and go through anything. And I always tried to work the play to this one specific guy because he would grab that thing. And when you put pressure on him, he got better. When the crunch was down, he was better catching. When, when it was just like, how are we ever going to do this? Every skill within this guy just got greater. Whereas in most people, they got worried and they'd start fumbling the ball because they realized the pressure of the final seconds of this game. And I want to talk to you today about going greater. You have been bombarded by fear. You've been bombarded by division. We, we've had so many things push at us and everybody's got an idea. Let's, you, yeah, whatever. Let's get it back into God's Word. And God's Word says, go greater. It never says, back away. It never says to the church of Jesus Christ or to you that we should just start to diminish. Or, hey, hang in there. Maintain. Maintenance is not in God's vocabulary. In fact, when we talk about the guy with one talent, two talents, and five, the guy with the one buried it, he never lost it. He dug it up when the master came back. And he said, here, I haven't lost it. He maintained it. And God called him lazy and wicked. You can't relax. You can't just decide, well, you know, we're just going to cruise. Retirement's not in the Bible. 80-year-old men like Caleb took mountains and made sure that families and generations were looked after. We go greater. We don't go average. We don't go mediocre. We don't maintain. In your business, your marriage, your home, your health, your finances, your thinking, every area of your life, go greater. Do you know that every person that God used in the Bible, give Jesus a hand, all right. Every person God used in the Bible, he had to take them through a training of thinking bigger. None of them thought big enough. None of them. He took Abraham, made him count the stars. And he said, so are your kids going to be. He didn't have a kid, not even one. He took Moses and spoke to him through a burning bush. And said, we're taking this entire nation to a brand new country. And you're going to lead them. You're going to go take on Pharaoh. What? 
Yeah, you're going to go tell him, are you kidding me? Pick somebody else. I can't talk. He had to take every individual person. Read the Old Testament, and you're going to find all these leaders. Joshua taking over from Moses. Moses would go up a mountain and talk to God. You messed with Moses, the ground would open up, and people died coming against him. And Joshua, yeah, you're going to take over. Oh. And so God had to speak to him in Joshua chapter 1 8. Be courageous. Meditate in the word. Keep it before your eyes. And everywhere, and he just began to talk to him. Come on, Joshua, we need you to think greater. Gideon, man, that guy is hiding in a cave because the armies against Israel were so powerful. And an angel had to speak to him and say, Oh, mighty man of valor. Did you know that God doesn't speak to you from your past? He speaks to you from your future. How many failures you had? He doesn't care. Well, how many times have you lost? He doesn't care. Well, how were you raised? He doesn't care. He speaks to you from your potential. He speaks to you from your future. He speaks to you from the original norm that he's created for you and what he has within you to come forth. And so he says to Gideon, knowing the future, you mighty man of valor, and he got up and was what God said he was. And I'm telling you, the story is stunning. Esther thought she was just good-looking, gorgeous, prepared for this beauty pageant for months, and then became the queen of a king. It's the most idyllic life. I mean, wow, you are the queen. Who could get better? But that wasn't the call on her life. The call on her life was to save an entire nation by standing before a king and taking on a murderer, by standing before a king and taking and speaking truth when her own life could have been taken. She got up and she stood for righteousness. She stood with a purpose. The 12 disciples, 12 average men between the ages of 17 to 25. And they changed the then known world, except it took Jesus three and a half years to get them thinking differently. Instead of who's going to be the leader and who's going to sit on his right hand and, and all this stuff, they begin to be taught, you're going to do what I'm doing. Jesus was modeling for 12 men what they were going to do when he was gone. And then the church was to be like that, walking in authority and power, signs and wonders. And today we've got a Christianity that doesn't even look like the early church. All miracles are over. Let's just stay dumb till he comes. You know, Jesus has to come back. Why? Because he's got to rescue his church. We're getting beat up. We're just a remnant. We're just ebbing away. The world is beating up his church. His whipped, wimpy, pathetic, dog between its legs running. What in the world kind of doctrine is that? It doesn't matter what you want to believe about the end times. He's coming back for a glorious church, not a whipped church without spot or wrinkle. That's what we've got to get into our heart and into our mind. And so when you begin to look at the Word of God, the Bible says where there is no vision, people perish. What is a vision? You don't need a vision to be average. You don't need a vision to maintain. If you're going to stay where you are, there's no purpose for vision. Vision is to think bigger. Vision is a picture of your potential, what you could do, where you could go, how you could be amazing for the kingdom of God, for, for, for us to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so where there is no vision, this ability to look forward and to, and, and to stir up your faith and to believe God that where I am is not where I'm staying.
That what's going on right now, I'm gonna, the smoke is going to clear and we're going to make sure that the church of Jesus Christ, who is called to be the salt and the light, continues to advance. And everybody thinks all we're going to do is, is fill up churches. Well, what are we going to do with all of our kids? With government giftings and medical giftings and, and business giftings and arts and entertainment giftings. The church wasn't designed for us all to sit behind four walls and, and just have prayer meetings and advances and retreats. We are to be out in the world. We are to be salt and light. And so we must raise up the next generations to be overcomers, born of God. The Bible says to live your life in one triumphal procession continuously. You will always win. Yes, storms will blow. Yes, you might get knocked down. The righteous can fall seven times and God will raise them up and keep them going. We're in a real world with real problems, but the purpose of the church wasn't just to maintain and hang in there, baby. It was to get up and begin to share this amazing, incredible Jesus with a world who doesn't have a clue. Do you know that everybody on the planet without Christ has an orphan spirit? means there's been a break between them and Father God. And so there's an emptiness on the inside. There's this, there is this orphan feeling that even if you had good parents, and even if you've got lots of great friends and a great career, you still sense this orphan feeling because Father God, who is our Father, there was a breaking and a tearing as mankind moved away from Him. And now today, you and I will never feel complete. We will never be able to fulfill the call of God on our life until we begin to deal with this orphan spirit by giving ourselves to Jesus, inviting Him into our heart, which is why the very first thing He does is heal the brokenhearted. That's all of us. We all thought brokenhearted was somebody who went through a lot of physical or mental strain or stress. Yes, but all of us are brokenhearted from the perspective of before you know Christ, you are absent from your Father, Father God, and you'll never feel complete. You'll never feel yourself until you make a decision that I want to go with my Father God and His purposes for my life. You need a vision. You need to get up and say, where am I going? And it better not be maintenance mode. It better not just be about you. We've got enough selfish people on the planet. Selfishness opens the door to the enemy. In fact, if you want to get really technical, being self-centered opens the door to demonic influence. But when we put Christ first and his kingdom first, then we begin to live with a sense of purpose. We begin to live with God. What do you want me to do? I found in my life that I'm constantly just looking into God's Word and trying to make sure, God, am I following you? God, what do you want me to do? Because if we're not careful, we begin to be safe, which means you stay in the zone that you're in. You stay in the season that you're in. But the very definition of faith requires that without faith, it is impossible to please God. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. So wherever you are today, whatever kind of success you have, it's not enough for God. 
He's got a plan so big in your entire lifetime, you won't be able to use all the gifts and the callings and the abilities that he's placed within you and I. So today, I'm going to quickly give you five attitudes, five principles that I find if I keep these things going on in my life, I, I don't miss him as much. I, I find that when I keep these principles alive on the inside of me, that, that I can hear God. I, people often say, Leon, I don't hear from God. I say, well, what do you want to hear from him about? Well, I don't know. That's your problem. Learn the principles. And as you learn the principles of God's Word, He will guide something that's moving. God is attracted to movement. Number one. You need to prepare for a greater impact with your life. Greater impact with your life. Greater for the kingdom. Greater impact on your family, greater impact on your city, greater impact on your career, greater impact on the people around you, greater impact on your neighbors. When it says go into the highways and byways and invite them out, you must decide my life is going to have greater impact. And as Isaiah 54 verses 2, it's a prophetic here about the new Jerusalem or believers, the church of Jesus Christ. And this is what it says. And it talks about this and it teaches about this in Galatians 4.27. It says, enlarge the place of your tent. Enlarge it. Your tent is what you have authority over. Your tent includes your family, your home, your belongings. Your tent, enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. It says, do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and people the desolate cities. We got a world looking for hope. We got a world filled with leaders who do not know what to do. But when we begin to put God first in our lives, He uses you. And you've got to just decide, I'm going to prepare. If you can't have a bigger impact on your own strength, then start preparing for it. How do you prepare for it? That's what we want to talk about. Prepare for greater impact means you begin to believe that. You begin to believe, I'm going to have a vision of what I can do greater for God. I don't care if you're even wrong. If you're moving, he'll deal with you. The Bible says many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the one from God that lasts. God dealt with me on this as a young pastor here when I came here because I would make plans that would never happen. And it got irritating. We'd start planning for things, and all of a sudden, God would open a door we never knew He was going to open, and the plans just got changed. But here's the thing. They got better, bigger, further. They were more intuitive. They were more in line with what was going on in the future. And so uh, God just began to deal with me. Always be planning. Be planning in every department. Be planning to reach out. Be planning with television. Be planning with influence. Be planning. And as you're planning, the one from God inevitably will always be real to you. But if you're not planning, well, then you haven't got a vision. Planning is preparing you, preparing finances, preparing family, preparing your mind, preparing your body, get healthy. When people begin to prepare for greater impact, their body ramps up. They begin to get healthy because without purpose, your body won't be as healthy. 
Third John 2, I wish above all things you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. One of the most destructive things to this planet, especially the Western world, is this issue of retirement. It's like every investor you talk to is going to get you to pour your money into your retirement. What's that? Now, investment, go for it. i got lots of great friends who are going to teach you how to invest money. But there is no retirement. The Word is not even in the Word of God. You might change from one career and have less time that you're going to do that, but you can't retire from the kingdom. You can't retire from influence. You can't retire from having a great impact. When I was a paramedic, I don't know how many heart attacks and deaths I went to for men. And their wife, as we were taking him out, would say to us, He just retired. We were going to spend all this time together. You need a purpose. You need something that makes you say, I'm going to prepare for greater impact. Oh, you might not be preparing to go back to the nine to five or the career that you built all, but get up and prepare. Go that I'm going to go volunteer in church. I'm going to go get a part. I'm going to do something that is going to give me a vision that says, I don't sit idly around. You just start learning something about retirement time. That's about when you got so much wisdom. We're going to retire you? Are you kidding me? We need you. Prepare for greater impact. Number two, you need to position yourself for miracles. Nobody is going to fulfill their call without miracles. When you take a look at some of the, one of the greatest stories that is such a type of Old Testament miracles, it's in 2 Kings chapter 4, where this woman comes to the prophet and she says, my husband has died. What am I going to do? The creditors are after me. He says to her, go, what have you got in the house? She goes, nothing. What have you got in your house? She goes, one little jar of oil. Then he says, go gather pots from all your neighbors. And don't just get a few of them. So her and her sons gathered pots, great big vases. They went into their door, their house. They closed the door. And they began to fill those pots up with oil that they could sell. The Bible says that every jar they had in their house was filled from this little jar, a supernatural miracle. And when it stopped was when the last jar they gathered was filled up. This is an incredibly important uh, teaching to you and I. Oil symbolizes the anointing and the presence of God in our lives. And who set the limits on how much they had was how much they prepared. And I want to encourage you, as you come to Springs Church, you need to leave if you just want to be comfortable because I'm going to make you uncomfortable every time I get on the platform. I'm going to say, come on, you can do more. You know, I didn't like my coaches when I was in, in track and football and, and all the sports. You know why? Because they weren't there to be my best friend. They were there to be my coach. And they knew how to dig me, bug me, irritate me, provoke me. And I'd look back and go, that's why that coach called me that in the middle of the game. And I got up and did so. Coaching is looking at someone and trying to get the best out of them. He would often say to us, if you want a friend, buy a dog. Fontaine, get out there. I go, okay. We need to be coached by the very presence of God. The leaders that are in our lives weren't designed to make you feel better about all your losses and help you wipe away a tear from your eye, and that's it. They wipe away the tear from your eye. They hug you. They weep with you. And then in the morning, joy comes. Joy needs purpose. Joy needs vision. Joy needs get up and go. 
What are you doing about believing God for the miraculous? You're going to need it. Begin to read. Begin to believe. Miracles are going to take place in my life. How quickly can negativism hit you and make you begin to feel like nothing's ever going to... Look how bad things are. Look how bad things are. Look at the Old Testament when he was a leader with a few 300 men against an entire nation of hundreds of thousands of soldiers. And God did a miracle. One beautiful queen with no one to back her play, standing alone in the, in, in the courts of the most powerful king, and you're not allowed to enter his presence. You must be invited. And if you ever enter the presence of a king and he didn't move his scepter out, you, they took you out and killed you. She risked her life. When you begin to recognize, believe, that miracles are going to follow you and God's supernatural ability is going to be upon you. And this thinking is what is needed for you to maintain a spirit of faith. Number three, allow God to make changes in you. Allow him to remake you. The Bible says in Luke 5, 37, it says, No one pours new wine into old wineskins because the old cracked skins will just break and, and lose the valuable new wine. That new wine is a symbol of the presence of God coming into your life and that you have to change. Well, what's got to change? Well, you need to be born again, of course. But then it says, renew your mind. Make your body a living sacrifice. Enjoy your relationship with Holy Spirit as you and I begin to move into God's Word and have out in his church something happens to you you get remade and this is crucial because for God to move through you he needs you to change to be remade the Bible says renew your mind it talks a lot about put off the old put on the new to born-again believers he wants to change you and remake you for every season in your life as I look back at, at, at the times when when Sal and I were trying to figure out, God, where do you want us to go? And, and when we didn't know, we just kept these attitudes alive on the inside of us. We couldn't kick open some doors. We couldn't push open. We sometimes didn't know what to do. So we continued to prepare ourselves, prepare the people, prepare buildings, lands, finances, volunteers, leaders. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Well, what are you preparing for? Because God's going to do a miracle. God's going to do something. God's going to open a door. When all the chicken littles are running for cover, men and women who know who their God is keep these five attitudes and principles alive on the inside and they prepare you for what God wants to do through you and in you. Number four, the fourth principle that is so crucial is you need to exhibit courage. Exhibit courage. I didn't say you had to feel it. I could tell you how many times I got up and looked at what was in our future and what was being said and how we're being attacked and what was going on. And your stomach goes into a knot and your brain revolts. And your emotions start going, ah! David said, be still, my soul. Be still, my soul. And know he is God. You better be speaking to your emotions. You better not think for a moment that your emotions are accurate because they're plumb wrong 80% of the time. doesn't mean you don't pay attention to your emotions. It just means you never follow them. Exhibit courage. In Judges chapter 7 is the story of Gideon and how God spoke to him. 
you mighty man of valor. He was so scared that he hid in caves every time there was a fight or a problem. And he began to exhibit courage. You see, the word fearless isn't accurate. Nobody is fearless. I wouldn't follow somebody who acted like there was nothing to be concerned about. You feel the fear and you have courage anyway. The man that dives out of a foxhole to rescue a friend who's been shot in front, he's not feeling less fear than all the other ones cowering. He acts against the fear. He exhibits courage. Courage rises up and it acts, even though your stomach is on revolt and you don't even know if you can hold your breakfast down. You get up and you just do something. Sometimes just get out of bed, get out of your house, go somewhere, and you'll sense that fear beginning to dissipate. Just get out of bed, get your slippers off, get your pajamas off, get up and go do something, and it's in the doing that this fear just pushes away because it takes action to walk in faith. Faith without corresponding actions is dead. Get up and act. Do something. Don't sit at home worrying. Exhibit Courage. And number five, develop the wisdom to be spirit contemporary. It has been the prevailing uh, culture of our church. Spirit contemporary. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Stay tuned into His Word. And then wherever you go, be contemporary. Be relevant according to where you are, who you are with, and what the situation is. You don't just grab a tract with the, the laws of the Roman road and just preach at people with canned gospel. You are like Christ. Get up and be cool. Get up and be healthy. Get up and, and respect people. Get up and, and stop being religious. This spirit contemporary life. And if you haven't read the book that we put out called The Spirit Contemporary Life, you need to get it. Recognize that you can have a life filled with miracles, signs, and wonders, and be so cool and, and normal to the people around you that they're attracted to the Jesus within you. Because you're not some religious freak or some weirdo. No, there's someone who's caring. Take a look at Jesus, the coolest person that ever walked the planet. Crowds wanted to follow him. Pastors will tell me, the anointing is so strong in our church that most people can't handle it, so we just have a small remnant that attend. Because you know the, the anointing is so powerful that, that people... No, the anointing on Jesus was without, was without measure, and he attracted people. Now, religious people, not so much. But the world loved him. Being spirit contemporary. Is that important? Take a look at Moses. Do you know before Moses led God's people through the wilderness, he spent 40 years being trained to be a pharaoh. 40 years in the greatest schools in the then known world in Egypt. And the Bible says in Acts 7, 21, it says Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was powerful in speech and action. It doesn't say he was trained in the courts of God. 
Therefore, as we continue to grow in the things of God, it's crucial to be educated in the wisdom and the speech and the action of the people that we're called to reach. And in Moses' time, it was Egyptians. Daniel chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, it says that literally the king took and trained Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and they entered the king's service. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and the enchanters in his whole kingdom. They had been trained and equipped in the things of God, and they were able to use it in the cultures that they were called to win. Not by being religious or exclusive, but by reaching out and being valuable to a king. Being valuable to the people that they were reaching. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 20, the Apostle Paul, interesting, it says here that he... Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God, and all who heard him were astonished and asked, Is this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name Jesus? And hasn't he come here to take the Christians as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and he baffled the Jews baffled them, the Jews living in Damascus, by proving to them Jesus is the Christ. Moses equipped to go take on Pharaoh and all of his hosts, trained in the courts of Egypt. Daniel, trained by the very presence of God, but able to use it while he was in captivity for the king of that country who brought him into his service because he was better than anything they had trained. Paul, who went to take on the religious world and took their very texts and baffled their greatest teachers, and he was trained by Gamaliel. He was trained in the Jewish training and teaching. Remember this. Wherever you go, we're not called to be the religious weird. Someone says, well, the Bible says we're a peculiar people. It says we are. It doesn't say work at it. <laughs> Take these five ways of thinking. Write them down. Put them somewhere near you. And as you begin to continue walking your life out, do not be controlled by the ways of this world. If you do, you will never fulfill what God has called you to. Romans chapter 12, it teaches us there that we should be renewed. Our mind should be renewed. That we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If there is not a renewal of your mind and your thinking, and then it says you need to be transformed, you will never fulfill what God has in your future with the training your parents gave you. Me neither. And I had pastors for parents. And I was raised in the church. But each of us individually, we are led by the Spirit of God. He, Holy Spirit will train you and equip you with the unique giftedness. You see, the Bible will never show you what to do with your life. Because it doesn't say, oh, Leon, this is which city to start next. Leon, this is which channel to get. No, no. Holy Spirit guides you in that. So the Word tells you who you are. But the Spirit of God guides you in every individual decision that you make in business, marriage, family, home, investments, decisions on how to handle things. He calls you by name and he leads you out. Jesus said in John 10.10, he said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I'm come 
that you might have life. The Zoe life of God and have it more abundantly. And it does not say when you get to heaven. Oh, I'm looking forward to heaven. It's going to be a billion times more exciting than down here. But I've got news for you. Down here is what all of heaven is watching. Hebrews says every person that has gone before us is a part of the stands that are watching those of us who are playing the most important game, determining the kingdom of darkness is going to be defeated as the kingdom of light continues to rise up. Do not allow anything in this world to discourage you in any area of your life. And go greater. Believe bigger. Prepare yourself for the miraculous. Prepare yourself to be the supernatural person that God has called you to be. Last thought. Ephesians chapter 1. First few verses says that you, before God even created the world, was already planning your life. You were predestined. He knew you'd be in this century, in this year, of this age, with this set of skills and ability, attending this church. He knew the future. He doesn't control or force you, but He knew. And he put within you everything you're going to need to get up and live far greater than anything you could imagine. For thousands and tens of thousands of years, he's known about you. He knew what you'd choose, what you would do. Let's make a decision. Did you know that right now I've never seen people more open to the things of God? I'll interview people around the world, scientists, doctors. When the camera turns off, I'll just start ministering to them. Some of them will begin to weep as they realize, I now know there's got to be an evil in this world, which means there has to be a God in this world. I've been an atheist. What do I need to do? And we begin to get them watching the church services and saying, hey, we can send you some of this stuff. This world is hungry. Everything that could be shaken has been shaken. And they're all wondering about spiritual things. Your neighbors as well. Reach out in a spirit, contemporary, relevant way. Begin to share the hope of Jesus. Father, I pray today that you would touch us individually, that you would guide us as a church, that Father, as we look to the future, we would be salt and light, and we'll see the greatest in gathering of people coming to know you than the world has ever seen. There's more people on this planet, God, than there ever has been. I pray, use us to reach out and to see change come to their lives. Today, if you're listening to this message here in the auditorium or wherever you are, and you're not sure that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then I want to encourage you. God will never force himself on you. And the only way to become born again with this Jesus and, the, and what he did on the cross for you and I is you must invite him. That is when you give him permission. So all you have to say right now is just, Jesus, I give you my life. Come into my heart. I'm following you for the rest of my days. That decision is what allows him to come in. 
keep watching, keep coming out to church, get into God's Word, find out about this new life. And I'm telling you, you'll never be sorry. I've been serving God for decades, and my life just keeps getting better. There's something about Jesus and serving Him and having Him that radically impacts you and your vision, your faith, your ability, your skills, your thinking, your attitudes. And I want you to know this, Jesus. So accept him today. And I believe that you're going to have the most amazing life. When storms blow, he'll be with you. When the dust clears, you'll still be standing. You won't be worried about battles and fighting. You won't cringe every time the phone rings because you know that he has overcome every battle that you're going to go through and given you everything that you need to win. Praise the Lord. Amen and amen.